Welcome to the Inner Huddle, a youth football development podcast for parents, coaches, and managers of young aspiring footballers. Your hosts from Pezza Street Soccer are Pez and Jeff. Hello and welcome to the Inner Huddle. On today's show, we are going to do a Pezza's coaching special. So it's all going to be about questions that we've had come in over a period of time, plus some that have come in, especially for this show. It's our biggest show yet, Jeff. We've got 25 questions, which probably fills you with dread, doesn't it, Jeff? No, I can't wait. Um, and they're all sorts. Um, it's really interesting, actually, what, what has come in. Hopefully, if people haven't got an understanding of Pezzas and the coaching and what it's actually all about, because it is very different, isn't it, Jeff? Yep, but we'll come on to that later. Won't yeah, we? by the end of this, hopefully, um, everyone will have a bit of a better understanding whether you're a Pezzas player or not, or just interested in coaching, coaching philosophies in general. Or a parent of an aspiring football player or futsal player. Which is what this podcast is about. Shall we just crack straight on with the questions then? I'm hoping that mine match up to yours because. I've made a few notes, um, okay. um, as always, Jeffrey hasn't, but um, we should be okay with this one, shouldn't we? Yeah, that's what we do. This is what we do? The most, um, what we know best. Exactly. Right, the first one. Well, we're going all in with this one. Isn't it all just about making money? I guess that's aimed at Pezzo Street Soccer and your soccer school. Yes, I get this a lot, um, and I can see why people think that it's just something that's been created from nothing just to make money but it's far from that some of the sessions actually run at a loss but we're very keen to have a pathway right the way from the toddlers all the way through to the top so it might be that some of the sessions are doing really well and some aren't and they get subsidized with ones that are just so that we can offer the pathway for those that um, want to be around for a long time and complete the program i can see why it gets thrown at me a lot and there are a lot of people out there that probably do this thing for for money but we've always thought that you get things right, you do things for the right reasons, and if it's good, all that stuff will follow later. And the company pays us, but the profits go back into the company to make it bigger, to put on a better product. I hate that word product when you're talking about kids, but a better service for the parents and for the kids. Yeah, I can agree more, and I think every decision you've ever made hasn't really been necessarily a business decision. It's always been about the kids at your soccer school, which is why... I'm still around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if you've got that mission, and we might get onto our mission statement later, you might find it on your phone so we get the exact wordings. But um, if you've got a mission and you're doing something for the right reasons, it keeps you on track um, and it gives you that longevity because running any business isn't easy and, you know, times are hard and things come up, that you know, challenges. But if you've got that set goal, and ours is, if you want to read it out, Jeffrey. You had it just there. Yeah. May as well do it now. Improving children's lives both on and off the field of play by providing a world-class individual coaching syllabus delivered in an environment where every child can have fun, flourish and fulfil their potential. Brilliant. And uh, that took us a while to come up with because it's very difficult to try and sum up in one statement exactly what you're about. But um, we hope that that does help. And our main objective, our main mission, is to improve children's lives on and off the field of play. That is it. And it does give us a focus, and there's been 
sometime where people might say, what is Pezzas all about? And we'll go, oh, well, it's... It's about improving children's lives. Yeah, we know now, don't yeah. we? We've got it there. We always knew, but we didn't have it quite there in black and white. And then what, what do you do? Well, we provide a world-class individual coaching syllabus. And how do you do it? Well, we put it into an environment where every child can fulfil their potential. It's quite a simple philosophy, as with most good things in life. It's a simple philosophy, but simple doesn't mean it's easy. Well, that hasn't taken a lot of work, because it has. So, the answer to this person's question, isn't it all just about making money? No, absolutely far from it. And we do try and keep the prices as a minimum, and we've managed to do this by running it as a membership scheme, which means we can keep track of expenditure ins and outs and plan properly and make sure we've got the right coaching numbers ratio for coaches to kids um you know we've got a waiting list at some sessions and it's the membership scheme seems to be doing really really well i am also going to say that one of the biggest things that we ever wanted to do is um not just offer a football pathway so we've got futsal pathway, we've got football pathway, got lots of kids coming in to professional teams at the moment. We've had 20 sign on in the last five years, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later as well. But what was very important to me, more than any of that, um, was offering an educational pathway. And we've just linked in with Wiltshire College to offer a scholarship programme. So that will be our pathway pretty much complete from mini kicks, toddler groups, to then our player development centres, to our academy, and then futsal club. And then those that choose to at 16 can go and get a... It's a BTEC diploma, isn't it? Yeah. Which yeah. is the equivalent, I believe, to three or four A-levels, which will then give them, whilst they're playing futsal and doing their course alongside it, will give them the qualification to get into university, which means more to me than any money. And to be honest, any of that razzmatazz of getting players signed on. Do you want to add on that? Because you're the one who's going to be doing the scholarships. <laughs> um, it is quite a unique thing, isn't it? I mean, other places have their BTEC um, futsal scholarships up and running, but I don't know how many places in the whole of the UK could say you could have a toddler that starts with Pezzas street soccer and doing futsal and football and then can have a pathway all the way through to doing a post-16 with the pathway to go on to university and have a development squad and a first team that play in the National Futsal Super League. It is a very unique opportunity for children from this area, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long way off, but wouldn't it be nice to have uh, someone who comes in at mini kicks at two years old, goes all the way through the programme, through the uh, um, scholarships and ends up at university doing some sort of sports degree. Would be be beautiful and um, every bit as good as having a player play in the Premier League, which I'm sure will happen too. Yeah, and it would give them every chance of doing that because you'd imagine they'd have two good feet, they'd be comfortable on the ball, they'd be confident, um, have good habits that have been set from day one all the way through. It would be, that would be exciting, wouldn't it? Can't wait. It will happen. Yeah, buzzing. It's just a matter of a long time. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, there's people at different stages on the pathway who've been through mini kicks and are now already in the pathway. So yeah. perhaps it's not as far off as I'm making out. Excellent. Right. God, we went a bit in depth there, didn't we? Right. Question number two. Do you want to go for it? Yep. Is individual training just teaching children to be greedy players? Well, we get this a lot, don't we, Jeffrey? Yeah, we, d- we do. Unless someone buys into the concept, a parent buys into the concept and completely understands what 
why we do things and what our philosophy is about. The problem is... Well, it's not a problem. In fact, it's the opposite. Scrap that. It gives children the ability to be greedy if they choose to be. Yeah. So they get a lot of success because they become good. So, yes, some children don't like getting rid of the ball because they know they can take everyone on and have a good chance of scoring, which can drive everyone nuts if they play for a team. But then it's down to the individual's coach or parents of the team to then try and help them with the decision-making of when and where to do things. You cannot coach that out of them, though. It's very important, especially in this country where we haven't produced a good dribbler, really, or many dribblers for a long time. There was Saha and a few others, maybe. But they're at a minimum, aren't they? But, it, yes, we do get this one thrown at us a lot. Yeah, and it's... I don't know of a nice way of putting this, but it, it tends to be a question that's asked by a parent who thinks their child is a world-beater in the team who plays with a dribbler and doesn't get past that ball yeah. as much as they'd like to be getting They're past. hogging all the glory. Yeah, so their son doesn't... It doesn't feel like their son or daughter's shining in the team. Yeah. Why would you take away that person's ability to beat a player when it's one of the most magical things you can see in the game? It's one of those things, though, where everybody's right. Yeah. So the dribbler's right, you can't take yeah. away his creativity. The parent's right because their child isn't getting the ball, and the coach is right because it is frustrating. Um, and in any argument in life, when everyone's right, you can't can't get over that. Yeah. You know, that's when arguments are at their worst. So it's saying, right, okay, how can we get a balance here? How can we help um, so that it's a win-win-win for everybody? And then, it, it, like you said, it's down to the skill of that youth coach manager yeah. to try and keep everyone as happy as you can and, and and help them to all do do what they want to do. And we've had some beautiful passes of the ball. Charlie Webster is, is he under-15s now? Yeah, he's under-15s. Uh, um, Chelsea, who's come through our system, lovely pass of the ball and always was. So it's not... Everyone's individual, aren't they? And that child who is hogging the ball, for want of a better expression, would have been trying to do that anyway whether he'd been to Pezzas or not. Yeah. It's just the way he is. He's now got the ability to do it. Um, but, of course, it's not going to work for him every time. And it can be frustrating. But it comes down to guiding that child to making good decisions. And a good way of getting over that is, and I actually did it with my first team for pretty much a whole season, we wanted them to play a passing way. And all I did was um, praise the pass. So even when they scored, I didn't praise it. Occasionally, I'd say a good pass into the net, but other than that, it was just <laughs> great pass, good pass. You know, unlucky with the pass, good vision, and, and it gets in. Oh, that's what they want in in their subconscious. It's a bit of a long term plan, but it does work. Unfortunately, coaches, parents, in fact, everyone involved want um, instant results and instant performances, don't they? And children's football cannot be like that. Not in the long term. And we've always said if you can help each individual child to be more comfortable on the ball and more confident, each player is then more likely to pass to each other on that team because they'll trust each player on their team. Yeah. Um, and actually, we've got a question about passing coming up in a bit. Okay. But, you know, to be honest, I always say there's no point playing a passing game if the person you're passing to can't control the thing. If they can't give it back to you, why would <laughs> you pass it to them? Exactly. So... We come up to the pass in a bit. There's a great quote from Johan Cruyff as well. So we'll leave that one there about greedy players because it's slightly different from, from the passing question that's coming up. 
So look out for that one shortly. Right. Question number three, is it, Jeffrey? Yep. Isn't what you do just futsal and not football? That age-old question, Jeffrey. You're Mr. Futsal. You can answer that. <laughs> uh, well, lots of people with futsal backgrounds will always say, if you do futsal for futsal benefits and you coach futsal properly, the, the rewards for football are far greater than just using futsal as a development tool. So just doing futsal every now and again once a month to try and help your players be more skillful or whatever your reasons behind it as a football development tool, you're probably not going to get the benefits you will do if you go and coach futsal properly because futsal's created players like Coutinho who didn't play anything other than futsal till he was 16 and then went outdoors and played football. Um, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Messi... No, the, the list is endless. It is endless. So clearly, we do do futsal a lot, but it benefits football. So to be fair, our, sorry, but in our individual coaching syllabus is futsal based. Yes, pretty much. I mean, we spend eight months of the year indoors with futsal based individual pro, and then we spend four months outside, um, where we then play That's more it. conventional football. So street get, soccer. So we get a, um, more of a balance. Pezza Street Soccer, which is school years one to six, isn't it? Yeah, and academy as well. And Yeah, which is also school years one to six. Yes. And then once they hit year seven to 11, yeah. they then it's only futsal based. It is only futsal school. from there, yeah. What Mike Scubala, the England futsal manager, calls it twin tracking. So we're trying to give kids the option to do football and futsal. So it doesn't matter which club you're from, you can come and improve your football in ability by doing lots of futsal with us and some football in the summer months yeah i mean i've written in my notes it's not true that it's only futsal but we believe that futsal is the single best game for developing fantastic footballers it's quite simple it's not um, the only thing you can do but no. it is the best thing and I think you can do. shock there are players who've got to the top level and they've never played futsal but there are players as well that have played at the top level like messi and ronaldo who have played futsal we talked about this the other day about for every little belief that you have, you can go out and find a bit of research that says that you're right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean to say that everyone else is wrong. No. So there are different ways of, uh, of getting there. We just believe in an accelerated learning environment and futsal gives you more contact time with the ball and making better decisions in tighter areas, in a nutshell, which are the essence of what you need to be a good footballer. And that making decisions in tighter areas, even some of the people that you would think only grew up playing football, like Alan Shearer, if you delve into what he actually did, they've either played lots of street football like Wayne Rooney, or they did play in the North East in, inside, indoors. It wasn't futsal, but, you know... they're In, in the boys' tight, club? Yeah, in the boys' clubs and, and things like that. And there'll be some form of what might not be futsal but might look a little bit like it yeah if you that's why we call it street soccer yeah you know i i was involved at charlton athletic and when they were in the premier league and we had players like jimmy floyd hasselbank and darren bent and the list goes on andy reed matt holland and i used to speak to these people a lot and try and find out how they developed from a kid and all of them played some sort of street football whether it was in a boys club whether it was in the street whether it was in the parks, whether it was in dusty places in Africa when they were barefoot, and they all had different stories, but what connected them all was they all played a lot, they all loved the game, and they all played sort of random pick-up games, as they call them. Yeah. In, in, um, we call it street soccer. 
um, what we call it in America, don't they? Pick up games. And we talked about it the other day about this phase about biobanding at the moment. And you turned around and said children have been biobanding without realising it for years. And I yeah. thought, wow, they have. You know, if something's not even, they make it even. So if that team's winning by a lot, they'll change the teams around. If it's still not working, they'll put extra players on one team or they'll put the oldest player or the best player on that team or, you know, put the big ones with the small ones. And they've done biobanding for years. I'd never really thought about it. Yeah, how often in a playground have three year sixes said, us three take... And yeah, they, and they've gone right. We're going to take all of you on, and and then if that doesn't work, then they say, when, yeah. "Well, we'll mix it up, and the big one will go with a smaller one," and they they just sort it out themselves. And the smaller ones will probably go out on the wings and be a, a tricky winger, and yeah, they find their place and their way in the game, don't they? That way, yeah, um, it's, um, it's they've taken care of themselves like that for years. Unfortunately, we just don't play much street soccer anymore in that environment, which is why we do what we do. Jeffrey, question number four, is it? Yeah, my turn, isn't it? Yes. Why do you not play many matches? Oh, you're looking at me. Right, well, I, I can I can answer this. We do play lots of matches in training. Yes. Different game variations, and we, we do lots, but we, this means organised games. I think this means organised games. teams. Matches, of course we play matches in training, although we have a lot of free play. We do have a lot of conditions matches, um, scenario-based matches, um, overloaded matches, all sorts of matches is a big part of our programme organised matches against other teams I decided against um, although we have got a big tournament we're entering in the summer Um, we've had plenty of offers Junior Premier League were very keen to get us in there at the start of when they were launching and I just felt it takes away our uniqueness and our specialness of individual coaching Uh, the process rather than the outcome and the matches are the outcome yeah matches is the outcome and then you'll be judged on how these kids are doing on a result and I couldn't allow that to happen because ego might creep in and our attitude could change from every child matters and every child fulfilling their own individual potential to oh my goodness we're playing Bournemouth we're playing Swindon we're playing this team, we're playing that team, and we've got no defenders, I'm going to go and recruit some defenders, and we're just going to work on set pieces and things during the week, and then we're just doing what everyone else does. Not I'm saying what everyone else does is wrong, whatever works for them is fine, and there's some that thrive in that environment. But for us, what makes us unique is our individual coaching syllabus. And entering matches will take away from that it came to head with me twice actually but once we went and played Swindon Town and we turned up I can't remember what age group it was under 10s under 11s something like that Uh, and we we turned up we went into the changing rooms and we said right where does everyone play then got any defenders no hands went up and I was like oh this is going to be a problem anyway so we said right well we'll just randomly pick you in any position I can't remember it might be nine aside it could have been 11 I can't even remember now um, so we just picked random positions. I think we did have a goalkeeper, to be fair. Anyway, we went out and we did absolutely brilliantly. We lost 2-1 to the, the full academy side. And then the fallout afterwards from parents of why Tiny Tim had played in defence when he had a good chance of getting spotted by playing up front, and it just took the fun out of it. It either went one or two ways then. I either said, right, we're going to go and recruit players to beat Swindon next time, which then takes away our uniqueness because every child that was there matters but the parents were judging everything on that result on an outcome again on an outcome and outcomes take care of themselves if you get the process right and and pezzas is the process 
There is a process you have to go through to get good at anything or to fulfill your potential at anything. And yeah. that's what we do. Pezzas is the process. Um, and then the outcomes, whatever it is, take care of themselves. And it is exactly that. We've never been about building teams to win matches, ever. No. It's only ever been about individuals fulfilling their potential. No, and I'd, it's a completely different thing getting a group of players to try and win games of football because even if you take away that you're recruiting all the time and trying to better what you've got and releasing players and equal match time and things, it's a different mindset to we're a team trying to go out and win a game. What strengths have we got? Who's going to help us to win that game? It might be you've got a big striker. Well, we'll put the striker up front and we'll keep getting balls in the box. And yeah. What's that got to do with children's development? It might help you win a game or two, but even a few trophies. You know, It might get you a few Facebook posts and a few pats on the back, But which is great. Don't get me wrong. You know, I like seeing these things as well. But in terms of improving children's lives, which is our mission, both on and off the field of play, doesn't fit into a team structure for us alright I think we've answered why we don't play many matches <laughs> I think we've answered why we don't play many matches and we do get asked it all the time and we will play some futsal because yeah. it's a little bit more laid back than going out and competing futsal for me is that environment that we're looking for isn't it it's yeah. those type of like minded people it tends to be tends to be right what question are we on now Geoffrey I've got so much question paperwork five. Here, I is it me right isn't what you do just skills over yeah. to you. I hogged uh, it for the last one. Do we have to now point out what the difference between technique and skill is? And do we have to say that it's not? <laughs> Quite often a parent will say, yeah, we'll send them to you because they want them to help them with their skills. <laughs> yeah, that, well, this has come up recently, which is why I included it. Okay. You know, there's a lot of people... Well, they're getting a bit rusty with their skills, so we're going to put them back in. Yeah, like it's just skills. Yeah. And that skills is something completely different and it's an add-on and it's a bit of a myth, isn't it? We work at Southampton Football Club and there um, we have this thing called Master Technician um, and it's actually techniques that we train, isn't it? Individual techniques. It's actually a complete training programme. Yeah. It has all the topics. We plan the whole year out, don't we? Yeah. So it has all, I think, the seven topics split down into weeks and then the weeks split down into to what you're going to do in those weeks, okay? Which isn't like some other football where we miss a couple of weeks and you're not going to miss anything. If you miss weeks of Pezzas, you miss whole chunks of that topic. Did you want to go on the difference between skill and technique? We think a technique is something practised in isolation and a skill is being able to take that technique and use it against opposition or in a game situation. Am I right? Yes, there is slightly different interpretations of yeah. it, which goes against this classic, oh, he's skillful because he's doing keepy-ups and yeah. a bit of freestyle. That's not skillful. A technique is the thing that you do, the thing that you've practised in isolation on its own. It's then... The, act the actual skill is using it purposefully, with a exactly. reason. Yeah. Skill is using a technique purposefully. So, for instance, if you do a step over and there's nobody around you, you've done a technique all on its own, even if you're moving at pace, that's a technique. If you then use that step over to beat a person, that's a skill, okay? Um, and a technique can be, you know controlling it on your chest from from a long pass it's it's everything in isolation isn't it yeah if you control the ball from a long pass as a defender great that's a technique if the ball came over like ronaldo's done before and he's chested it as a pass to someone that's a skill still the same thing 
hopefully we've explained that. That's how we interpret it, and I know other people interpret it in a different way. So is what you do just skills? Absolutely not. It's every single technique that you could possibly need to be a complete footballer. It's not just... Skills sounds like the icing on the cake, and you get everything at your club, and then you come to us for your skills. Absolutely not. It teaches you how to pass, control, do things under pressure, everything. Sorry, I hogged you again there, Jim. No, no, it's... it's I could talk about I'll at least think about this all day I think it's um, yes it's it is very frustrating for us though isn't it with yeah. that myth that oh it's just fancy skills training it's that kind of attitude isn't it and then but also I'm thinking whilst you're d- describing our our syllabus and the fact that we've set out different parts of the, the syllabus throughout the year there'll be some coaches in the world that be thinking oh that's all coach led and you haven't asked your players what would they like to do and all that kind of yeah. fair enough if that's the way you're going to coach enough that's your philosophy but kids love it so I yeah, you, you can have both you, you can, can have within a structure so yeah. we have a structure we have the seven topics that we think you need to be to be a complete footballer then split down into how you learn to do that yeah. within that you then can give the children some scope for having some player-led discussion and having an input in the session. But spent years and years and years of study, doing courses, you know, doing continual personal development to have the ability to put that together. The coach is the expert or should be the expert, so he needs to lead and guide. It can't all be kid. There's always a trade-off, isn't there? If you go all one way, you're trading off something on the other side. And you haven't got enough time to do everything. So you can't have player-led things and elite, or I don't even like the word elite, but expertise, you know, there's always a trade-off. So you do what you believe in. And if you believe in that, you do that. And over time, you'll get players that thrive in that environment. And that's great because it works for you and it works for them. And then we do what we do. So we attract like-minded players and it works for us and those particular players. And it's not for everyone. Yeah, I was just thinking because in the back of my head, I'm worried that it's a fad at the moment for lots of people in the coaching world to say, if it doesn't look like a game and there's not game constraints on all your coaching then you shouldn't be doing it and it just it frustrates me because it's dismissing everything that we do that's technique based that we've seen can lead into yeah you know those game constraints it's, it's frustrating yeah. but i don't get too bothered about it because that might work for them so yes yeah like i said earlier you, you can find a bit of ed- evidence or somebody a kindred spirit that will back up anything that you believe in or, or have heard so there could be someone playing in the Premier League who came up that way, you know, never played futsal, never did any individual static training, etc., etc. I personally believe that, OK, well, if they'd have come to what we do, they would be even better than they are and they might be one of the world's best players. But that's just an individual thing. But it is a frustration when these people actively say this is the only way. And I think a good coach will always look at everything and find out what works for them, what works for the group of players that they've got. Don't dismiss other things. I used to do it. I used to do it. And we're guilty with this skills question because on our Facebook and things, we put up a lot of kids doing fancy skills. And I can understand where that it's just skills comes from, which is why we've started this new series, Can They Kick It? with actually doing the skills as skills in matches, in game situations to prove you can take it from isolation to unopposed, semi-opposed, fully opposed, and then into the real thing. Um, And it's an art. I mean, people can have their evidence as well and to back up what they say, but we've yeah. we've got actual player evidence. We've got footage yes. of players practising in isolation. And um, then putting it into matches. Yeah, and it might be put in... It might, it's, 
it's not just what we do either. We don't just practice in isolation and no. leave it there. There's always progression and there's yeah. always, all right, can you now put those two things together? Can you be creative? But that creativity only comes when you have the techniques to back up. Yeah, if, if your technique's not there, it's going to break down for me. And then you can you're, be... You're putting a ceiling on your talent, Jeffrey. Yes. I think we're going to get on to the science behind some of it a little bit later, but we can touch on it now. To get good at anything, you need to practice it. And the science behind that is something called myelin. So your brain sends messages to the muscles, and people call it muscle memory, but it's not actually, but it's a nice term to sum it up. So you're building this muscle memory, okay? Now, along those neurological pathways, once you've tried something, and it's anything, it um, develops something called myelin around the pathway, which insulates it, and it means that that uh, is remembered and it increases the speed of those messages down. Smoother, more efficient. It gives it one layer. Every time you do something, it gives one layer, another layer. And you need thousands, maybe millions, I don't know, of these layers to do be an expert in different things. It all comes from this 10,000 hours rule, but that's the, the, the science behind it. So what we actually do in those isolated drills is build myelin. And nobody, I don't care what evidence you come up with, nobody can argue that having more myelin is a bad thing. So we build the myelin, so that's a technique, and then you create an environment where they can turn that technique into a skill which we use foot on the street soccer. This, and 1v1s and, you know... This is our difference, things. isn't it? Like, we're not dismissing either. We're using both a constraints-led environment, but we're also using our individual techniques programme. Yeah. Which... We're trying to offer everything yeah. through study. Yeah. And you haven't got enough time to offer everything. No. You know, if if all the best coaches, all the best ideas sat around the table, you'd look at it and go, well, actually, the kids would need to coach, be coached eight hours a day to do all these new different techniques and old-fashioned techniques. And we try and strip out what we think are the main bits and create in the environment where we think every child can flourish. Yeah. And it's not for everybody. And that is based on our experience and our knowledge, isn't it? It's, yes. But we're at a beautiful stage where we can back it up and say what we do for our kids and those that are into it as well, it works. And we've just had our 20th player sign at Pro Club. So although not our main aim, because our main aim is about every child, it is nice to sometimes be able to prove that your actual coaching syllabus and methods works to a high standard. And, you know, four of those have had international call-ups as well. So yeah. top level, but it works for us. Yeah, well, something's working for us. So for us, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there's other places you can say we've had players signed. And we don't do any of that. Well, that, that's great because that's worked for you, and you're probably attracting the sort of characters that that will help for you. So to summarise, question number five. <laughs> yes, we did go on a bit, didn't we? We do a bit more than just skills. We do a lot more than uh-huh. just skills. Yes. Right. Question number six. Is that me? Was it you? I have no idea. I'll go for it. Because I'm going to ask you this. Oh, no. Jeffrey, what's the worst part about your job? Getting asked hideous questions <laughs> by you on the... <laughs> <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> I, 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 let's not get into the things I put you on the spot with. Yeah, well, I've, there you go. I've just, I've just answered a question. What's the worst part about your job, Pez? <laughs> um, absolutely, 100% wasted potential. Um, that's with a football side of things. Or seeing pressures put on a child which impacts on their lives negatively that's the worst part of my job and pretty much having your hands tied and trying your best for those children and not it's not not being listened to because obviously you might not always be right but you know that guidance or your expertise is dismissed which will have a detrimental factor on that child i hate the wasted potential and it this comes down to a clash of opinions between us and 
parents probably, doesn't it? And what we believe is the best thing and what they believe is the best thing. Or what they're getting told might be the best thing. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be perfectly honest. We've had 20 sign at professional clubs and in five years. And I honestly believe that could have been double. It could have been 40-odd if players had stayed in the system and been patient instead of chasing it around other places. There's nothing better for a, a father or a mum, it tends to be dads, getting that praise from a coach who might be at some level saying, oh, I think your your kid's wonderful, he's brilliant, he needs to do this, this and this, and that will mean he'll get there. And if they're not always getting that, then the tendency is, or the worrying thing is, they might go around and chase it in other places when they were actually just perfectly on the, on the road to where they wanted to be as a human being and as a footballer. Um, so that is very, very frustrating, especially in two or three years when they want to come back because they've been somewhere and they haven't enjoyed it and they haven't had much match time and it's all unfolded and they come back and you're starting at scratch almost with them again, sort of building up their confidence and, and their, their love of the game. That's the most frustrating part for me. Yeah, and it shouldn't do, but it can feel quite personal, can it, to a coach when... when... Yeah, well, there's, there's attachments that you make yeah. to these children and parents as a, as a group and as a family um, you know you work with some of these kids for two or three years and you think well they're doing really really well and they've got a chance of fulfilling their potential whatever that potential might be and then they decide oh we want to play Saturdays and Sundays so we can't come to you anymore and you're like oh and you try and speak to them about well actually if you do that they're getting less contact time with the ball they're getting less of this less of that less of this and if you know you're swapping a two-hour session for probably three minutes on average of the ball in a match and explain the science but they get a little bit blinded by the glory basically we're a victim of our own success sometimes because yeah. we produce kids that get really really good we can say that can't we yeah because it because they do and then everyone wants them to play for their teams and the classic one is, yeah, a parent saying, oh, he just really wants to play in a team now. He just wants to do matches now. Yeah. Which, it's great. And, and it is football and they should yeah. play in matches. And they, I like them when they play in a team and then they come to us. Any team. Yeah. Got no biases of teams. Go and play for your team so you can try the things you've learned in your training, in the matches, and it's fun. I get it. But if you swap it for our individual training programme, for one, two, three years, they're going to shine in their teams. Yeah. And then after that, when everyone else is catching back up again because they're not doing their individual technique training in the environment that we've just talked about so much. Processes they, and outcomes, isn't they, it? Yeah, they end up going backwards and their skill set become rustier and they've forgotten all the things they can do and they've looked like your traditional football player that there are thousands of. If you sacrifice training, especially good training, for match time, you are putting a ceiling on your child's potential. I can't say it any more than that. If you're swapping a good hour and a half or a two-hour session on a Saturday to play in a team that play for 50 minutes an hour or something, statistically, mathematically, you only get three, four minutes on the ball maximum. So you're swapping thousands of touches and purposeful training for three or four minutes on the ball in a match. The trade-off, as I've said before, there's always a trade-off. You are putting a ceiling on, the, on their potential. They will never maximise their potential by just playing Saturdays and Sundays and training one hour a week with those two teams doing team training and that's the biggest frustration of my job is that wasted potential if you take football out of it and the outcome's not the match and you looked at boxing and there was a boxer that did thousands of different punches yeah in training over and over and over they refine their technique build the myelin yeah they found ways of putting their punch combos together quicker and smoother and what works for them is a left hook followed by a jab work for them if you swap that for they go and have loads of boxing matches where they go in the ring and they knock someone out in one punch and yeah. that's the one practice they get 
every well, week. Actually, Joshua's been protected for ages, hasn't he? Well, to, what know, would to happen? build up his. What would happen to that boxer? Would they carry on improving, or would they start going backwards? Well, and that I, I don't think any parent would look at that analogy and go, "Oh yeah, I don't understand that still, and I'm still going to throw him into the boxing ring and watch him knock on someone yeah. out." I, I don't know. That might be a terrible analogy. Well, I don't know. But. I'm going to do a different analogy. You don't send your child to um, school to do mathematics and go straight into just doing tests all the time. No. You have to learn all the things that might be in that test, um, even when you know that that test is probably only going to contain a few topics that are in the broad thing of mathematics. But you know, when you're studying for an exam, for example, you have to cram in everything you have to learning techniques to get it all in remember it so that at any time in that exam you're not under pressure because you've done your training if you only ever did mock exams which is a good way of part of the process of helping you with exams if you only ever did mock exams and not the actual learning and training you'd never pass a test you'd never pass an exam there's a process to the outcome yeah and you have to if you want to get to the very top you've got to love that process and if you don't love the process then you're not going to get to the very top. No, and, and Pezzas is the process. Yeah. So if you come to Pezzas and you're not, you don't love the game, or because there's a difference between loving the game, loving training, and loving matches. Yeah. Some yeah. kids, oh yeah, he really loves football. Well, actually, he loves just hanging out with his mates, playing in a match. Which is absolutely fine. Whatever those no reasons are that you're doing it, yeah. they're all right as well, aren't they? There's no wrong reason absolutely. for doing it. But if if you genuinely want to get to the top, you have to love the process. And I feel like we're here to help children fall in love with the process as much as doing the process yeah at world class as well because a lot of children are good players in matches and then they come to us and they're you know because they've got a fixed mindset they don't particularly like the training well then Pezzas isn't for you is it well, but if what well, question me on <laughs> I've no idea because it's all just amalgamating merging whatever a better word is into one really at the moment isn't it um, i don't know but it's going to be a long that, day with 25 questions isn't it that didn't sound like an answer to question number six which was what what was the worst part about the job does it i think one of the worst parts of the job is keep on having to explain yeah yeah <laughs> over and over because we do this we yeah. go off on tangents and um but it's because we're passionate about what we do and yeah. we want to pass on that passion and and help every child every child that comes to us right i do believe it was What's the worst part about your job? Yeah, um, so question number seven. Yeah, after this move on. after this short break. In a huddle from Peza Street Soccer.